Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Well, good evening, Faith. Welcome to Midweek Bible Study. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right in and pray so that we could get what God has for us tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for another time of opening your word, Father. We open our hearts to receive revelation and insight of your word, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for understanding. Thank you for clarity, Father. Lord God, we just thank you, Father God, that your word is truth. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I thank you for utterance, Lord, to sow the word into the hearts of your people. And I thank you that everybody has ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to them tonight. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, once again, welcome. Um, I always enjoy these times of ministering the Word. I love to teach the Word, and so this is a real blessing. I pray that you guys have come ready to receive what God has for us tonight. So as you know, um, this summer, the theme, so to speak, for this summer is prayer. And uh, Pastor Carrick has really been uh, ministering from that position um, and ministering from the standpoint of, uh, of prayer being the key to a supernatural life, okay? And so we just, it's so important and critical that we understand the importance of us as believers uh, praying and having a consistent prayer life. And so the title of my message tonight is The Responsibility of Prayer. The responsibility of prayer. You know, that's a word that we kind of shy away from. Responsibility is like, you know, this word that is uh, foreboding and, you know, oh, God, I got to do. No, I don't want you all to have that kind of attitude toward this. This is, a, this is necessary, and God has equipped all of us to take our place in the realm of prayer. And we're going to find out why, some, some reasons why it's so critical for us to do so. And so uh, one of the reasons is look at the times that we're living in. Just consider the times that we're living in uh, right now. And, and, and if you just look around, you know, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you, will, you can clearly see that there has been no time, <laughs> if there was any a time that we as believers should be praying, it's now, okay? And uh, Jesus is coming back, y'all. All of the signs that's happening in the world show that he is coming back. None of us know the day or the hour, all right? But his return is imminent, okay? And so, Here's the, here's the thing to consider. As we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord, we, we are, it's going to be more of a need for prayer. The need for prayer is going to become more and more critical. All right? So let's do this. Let's start by doing this. Let's look at uh, what Jesus said about the signs that his return is getting closer. So go, me, go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at verse 3 through 8. Matthew chapter 24, and we're just going to look at verses 3 through 8. Matthew 24, verse 3 through 8. All right, uh, let's see. Okay, so listen to this. And as he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, 
tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places all these are the beginning of sorrows okay so we can see already right here that man these things are happening y'all i mean you can say that they've been happening for quite some time wars and rumors of war even right now there's a war happening right now as we are uh looking at this this um broadcast right over there in russia between russia and the ukraine but i mean these things you might be thinking to yourself well these things have been taking taking place for quite a while uh, notice that he said in verse 7 nation shall rise against nation what's that talking about well the Greek word nation there is ethnos that means ethnic group shall rise against ethnic group what's that talking about racism and then kingdom against kingdom there shall be famines <laughs> there shall be pestilences I mean boy we know that's we know that's taking place but notice what Jesus said in verse 8. He said, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, the interesting thing about that word sorrows is the Greek word means uh, birth pains. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying that just like a woman, uh, when she's about to give birth to a baby, her contractions get stronger and they get closer together. What he's saying is these things, yeah, they have been happening for quite some time, but they're gonna increase in frequency and intensity as his return draws closer, all right? And so you can clearly see basically what Jesus is saying is that times are gonna get darker and darker as his return draws near okay and so you can clearly see from that that man the world is gonna need our prayers like never before I mean they are gonna need our intercession like never before the closer and closer we get to the return of the Lord and so let me let me just say this i need to digress just for a minute i'm i'm not really leaving the point but i need to make this point since we're talking about praying um as we get closer to the lord's return um you're not going to be able to pray away the things that jesus said is coming on the earth you can't pray it away you're not going to be able to pray away any prophecy of Jesus. Do me a favor. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 18 real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 18. I'm going to read this out of the NLT. But Deuteronomy chapter 18. I just want to make a quick point here. Deuteronomy chapter 18. And let's look at verses 21 and 22. And as I said, I'm going to read this from the uh the nlt verse 21 and 22 all right so listen to this this is this is listen, listen to what the word says it says but you may wonder how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the lord and here's the answer in verse 22 if the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but the prediction does not happen or come true, 
you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken my, without my authority and need not be feared. And so one of the things that signify whether a prophet is really uttering what God has given him is that it come to pass. And so you're not going to be able to pray away what Jesus prophesied would happen in the last day. Okay, because Jesus is not a false prophet and your prayers ain't getting ready to turn them into one. Okay, so everything he just we just read is going to happen. In fact, it's already happening. And like he said, it's going to get worse. It's going to get it's going to increase in intensity and frequency like a woman that's about to give birth to a child. Now, y'all, calm down. <laughs> that doesn't mean you have to be afraid or worried or in fear and all of that as we get closer to the return of the Lord. You know, that's not your, all of these things that Jesus just named is not your portion as a believer, as a covenant people of God. Your life, the will of God for your life is that your life be Goshen in the midst of these things okay so it says if you guys have not if some someone has not heard of what goshen is well when the children of israel were in egypt they were in a land called goshen okay and so when egypt started um um being under the judgment of god um all of this calamity was happening in egypt but God said something in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 22. He said that he would sever the land of Goshen from Egypt. So meaning he would set it apart. And so where his people lived in Goshen, none of the stuff that was happening in Goshen was happening to the people of God because God set that land apart. And so, God, I believe in these last days, as we get closer to the return of the Lord, that his covenant people, you and I, our life is going to be set apart from the world. And so you don't have to be in fear about what Jesus prophesied, but you do need to take your place in prayer. People need us to pray. Amen? And so here's the thing. We are going to be praying in the midst of it. In fact, this is what God expects us to do. Go to Romans chapter 12, and let's look at verse 12. Romans chapter 12, let's look at something here in verse 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. All right. Praise God. We're talking about the responsibility of prayer. The responsibility of prayer. Okay, so it says this, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Okay, so the word instant in that verse is a Greek word that means to adhere to one, to be devoted or constant to one. It means to be steadfastly attentive unto. It, it means to give unremitting, which means never relaxing, care to a thing. It means to continue all the time. It means to be constantly diligent. And so what is God saying? He wants us to adhere to prayer. He wants us to be devoted to prayer. He wants us to be steadfastly attentive unto prayer. He wants us to give unremitting care to prayer, which means he doesn't ever want us to get laxed about prayer and have a lackadaisical attitude. He wants you to be intentional 
about taking your place in prayer. He wants you to continue all the time in prayer. And he wants you to be constantly diligent in prayer. This is what Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 just said. That doesn't sound to me like the closer we get to Jesus' return, the less we pray. That means we are to remain, remain diligent and constant and steadfast in the realm of prayer. Okay? Amen. And so let's go in this direction here. So who do we pray for? Who do we pray for? Well, I mean, <laughs> everybody. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. In verse 1, I was telling my wife, uh, we, were, we were talking about some things. I think we were um, just really just talking about everything that's going on in the world. And man, I was telling her, you know, <laughs> it's not hard to see why the Word of God is so, has so much to say about prayer. Because if you really go ahead and operate in this, you're going to find that it is so many people to pray for. And there is so much always to pray for. And, but here's a place in, in the Word that just gives us, you know, a, a good starting place. Amen. So look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. And this is not an unfamiliar scripture to us. But let's read verse 1. He said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And so, pray for everybody. Pray for all men. In other words, all mankind. All right? So, pray for all people, and, and then pray for the people that you know. Go to Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at something in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. 36 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. All right, it says this, but when he, Jesus, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then, he, then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so he said in, in Matthew 9, 36, that the multitudes, he saw them and he had compassion on them because they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And I'm telling you clearly, y'all, that is the state of mankind right now, especially right here in the U.S., I mean, everybody, they all over the place. And that's what happens when man leaves the word of God or don't want nothing to do with the word of God, when it's my truth and this truth and that truth instead of the truth, then you all over the place. You just all over the place wherever, whatever, whatever you think is right in your own mind, that's the direction you're going to go in. And you scatter like sheep without a shepherd, okay? But the, the remedy to this, Jesus said, pray to God, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest, okay? Because people need to hear the gospel. So pray that God will send laborers just really, we living right here in Georgia, and I guess some people watching online, you could be, in different states or what have you. But just pray that God will just send laborers throughout whatever region you live in. 
I mean, I'm telling you, y'all, he not saying just pray just for nothing. He wants us to invite him into the situation. And no matter how bad it looks, God knows how to knock on the door of people's hearts. He knows how to send the right person at the right time with the right word that will open their heart to hear about Jesus, man. And so he needs us to pray that, though. That's something that you can pray. You could pray also that God will remove the blinders from people's eyes so that they see the light of the gospel. The world is in deception right now, okay? But here's the thing about deception. When you're deceived, you don't know it. All you know is that you write. You think you write about what you're saying or what you believe in, okay? But God knows how to strip that deception off of them so that they can see the glorious light of the gospel. Go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at that. And let's look at verse 3 through 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verses 3 and 4. Look at something Paul wrote here. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that's talking about Satan, the lowercase g, God of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so the unbelievers have blinders over their hearts, okay? The enemy has blinded the mind, he's blinded their minds to his deception, okay? And so he doesn't want them to see the gospel. He doesn't want them to hear the gospel. He doesn't want them to believe the gospel. And so they are in a deception right now. But go to Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. I'm giving you guys, we, I'm sharing with you things that we can pray. 26 and verse 18. We can pray this concerning the people in our region. Maybe it might be your co-workers. Maybe it might be your neighbors. Maybe it just might be your city or what have you. Pray this, okay? We acting on 1 Timothy 2.1. We just acting on it. I'm just giving you something to pray. Look at Acts 26 and verse 18. Pray to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance, of, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Amen. That's what Jesus gave to Paul. That's the assignment he's given to Paul, but that's his assignment to all of us. Amen. And so that is, we, we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, that Satan has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. But in Acts 26, 18, now God is showing you what you can pray, that their eyes be opened and that they be turned from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God so that they, like you and me, can receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among us, me and you, who have been sanctified by faith in Jesus. Okay? So this is the will of God, even for the unbelievers that are in whatever deception they're in. He still wants their eyes to be open. He still wants them to see the glorious light of the gospel so that they can believe and receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance that Jesus has already uh, shed his blood and paid the price for them to receive. But he needs you and I to take our place in prayer and pray for them. Amen. It's time for us to get out of our selfishness, 
<laughs> cut off them TV shows that we just be binging on and all. Look, we got to set aside some time and take our place in prayer. I'm telling y'all, the world is going to get darker and darker. But the good news is we're going to get, they, uh, our light is going to get brighter and brighter. Listen, a light, if I were to turn on a flashlight right now with all these lights on, you would probably see it, but it really wouldn't do much. It wouldn't really, you know, be a big deal. But if all these lights were just shut off and you couldn't see me no more and it was pitch black and then I turned the light on, that's when it would shine the brightest. And so that's the will of God for our lives, okay? But I'm just saying that one of the ways we do that is we take our place in prayer and stay prayed up. Amen. And so when it says in 1 Timothy 2.1 to pray for all mankind, that's what you could pray. You can pray for those in your life that don't know the Lord, and you can also pray for your fellow believers. When it says pray for all men, you could also pray for your fellow believers. Just, you know, pray and agree. We have the prayer of agreement. We can agree together. That's what we're doing here every Sunday after each experience this month. We're going to have uh, 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 prayer, uh, our prayer team lined up in front ready to pray the prayer of agreement for our fellow believers. Amen. Praise God. So who else can we pray for? Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And let's look at verse 2. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And now we're going to look at verse 2. Now look at what it's saying. It's saying, pray for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So, now, it's saying you, can, you also need to pray for all those that are in authority. So why I was looking at this, and the Holy Spirit began to minister to my heart, and actually he's been ministering this uh, for quite some time now, especially within the last couple of months. But he showed me something in the Word as to why this is so important in our present day in our nation, right here in the United States. So go with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 25. We're going to look at something Jesus said here. Matthew chapter 12. In verse 25, I'm telling y'all, this is serious stuff. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25. And listen to this. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Now, in the context of this passage, Jesus is dealing with a spiritual situation. Okay, he had cast out, you know, um, a person that was possessed with a devil and healed him and everything. And then the, the, the Pharisees, they said that he was casting him out by Beelzebub, <laughs> the prince of the devils, okay? And so that's when Jesus responded in verse 25 and said, uh, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And then he goes on to, you know, explain more about that. But I want you to notice something here. Even though Jesus is, in this particular context, addressing the unbelief of the Pharisees, 
or the wrong believing of the Pharisees or whatever you want to call it, the heresy of the Pharisees to say that he's casting out devils uh, by Beelzebub. Well, at the same time, you see Jesus presenting a principle of something that leads to ruin. So he said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. That word desolation means to lay waste. It means to, it means to bring to ruin, man. And so he's saying that division will lead a kingdom to ruin, y'all. Ruin. Okay, so... I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something about this verse. What is very sobering about this verse is the first word that Jesus said in it. Notice this first word. Every. Not most. Every single one. Every kingdom that is divided against itself is brought to ruin. So there is no nation exempt from this principle. None. Not one. Okay? And so I want you guys to, to realize any nation, I don't care how powerful it is, I don't care how long it's been in power, any and every nation divided against itself is brought to ruin, to desolation, okay? I was thinking about, did you know the Roman Empire? Man, that was one powerful empire, y'all. And it lasted for over a thousand years, okay? Guess what? It's in ruin. The point is, I don't care how long a nation has been power. I don't care how powerful it is and how long it's been in power. It could come to ruin. And Jesus is saying one of the things that could lead to that is division. And so the United States, it seems to me like we are constantly divided in the seats of government. Just it's, it's just like a constant state of division. Republicans versus Democrats. Left wing versus right wing. Left wing media versus right wing media. Conservatives versus liberal. White versus black. Uh, black versus white. I mean, and on and on and on, there seems to be consistent division. Okay? And so, what's happening? It's an open door for the enemy to bring this country to ruin. All right? Now, I'm not speaking death over the United States of America. What I'm trying to do is stir us up as believers to stop taking this lightly and stand in our positions of prayer. Thank God there are many believers that do pray for this nation. In fact, that's why I think it's not worse than what it is. I think that's why we still as blessed as we are. We still protected as we are because believers are praying, but it's many of us that aren't, okay? And so it's time for us to take our place because this is not um, something to play about, as you can see. Jesus ain't no liar. <laughs> Every single word he spoke came straight from God, and he said every single nation divided against itself is brought to ruin. So we need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders, y'all. We need to pray for our leaders. And so we could pray that God will move in the hearts of our leaders to uh, go in the right direction that he desires. Look at Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. I believe this nation is going to continue to be blessed and protected. But we need to do our part as believers and do what the Lord told us to do. Pray. So pray. Look at this. 
the heart the king's heart is in the verse one the king's heart is in the hand of the lord and as the rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will all right and so we could we could uh pray and ask god to turn he's able to turn the leader's heart in the direction he wants them to go in okay we could pray that god move on the hearts of righteous men and women to respond to his call on their lives to take office. Look at Proverbs 29. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 2. Proverbs 29 and verse 2. Look at this. <clears throat> Excuse me. When, who is this? The righteous are in authority. The people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. So unfortunately, I believe there's a lot of believers that have not responded to the call of God to take uh, positions of uh, political positions that he's calling them to sit in. You have to remember something. You can't just look at, um, you can't just look at, um, at, at politics as this is something separate from God. No. It says in Romans, I believe Romans 13, that the seats of authority are ordained of God. God ordained these seats of authority to keep order in the earth, okay? And so God has called people to sit in those seats, his people. And so we, we need to pray that people will take their, respond to his call and take their positions in these places of authority, the people of God, all right? We could also pray that God will remove those that have set themselves in opposition to his will and replace them with people that are submitted to his will. Look at Psalm 75. Psalm 75. Verse 6. Psalm chapter 75 and verse 6. Psalm chapter 75, verse 6 and 7. Look, it says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Amen. Praise God. So anybody that just, just refuses uh, to surrender to God's way, God can remove them. Amen. Look at Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 2. Proverbs 29, 2. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 2. I think we just looked at that. Yeah. But it says again, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bears rule, the people mourn. We just looked at that. And then you could pray for the wisdom of all leaders. Like it says in James chapter uh, 1 and verse 5. James, let's look at that. James chapter 1 and verse 5. James chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, even people that's in authority, that you're praying for. He gives it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Our leaders need God's wisdom to lead this nation effectively and in a way that we can live in peace and godliness and, and not, you know, not in a bunch of turmoil and upheaval, all right? And by the way, you know, Pastor Carrick said uh, on a Sunday earlier this month, he said, uh, you know, you don't just pray for people that you voted for, okay? No, it says pray for all that are in authority, whether you like them or not. It didn't say only those you like. We are supposed to pray for all that are in authority. God didn't give any conditions to this. And by the way, in speaking of division, y'all, listen to me carefully. Listen to me. Stop doing this. Stop identifying yourself as a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, I said it. 
Stop doing that. Because if you do that, by default, you are part of the division. You just, by default, about to be a part of the division, okay? So stop, don't, don't let that define you. Just because you, you voted a certain way, I understand that. Maybe you voted a certain way. But so what? That don't mean you let a donkey or elephant identify you. The word says that you, when you got born again, you were translated from the, the you were delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, okay? You were translated into God's kingdom. As far as God is concerned, you are a king, you are a citizen of his kingdom. And what did Jesus say about the kingdom of God? He said to Pilate, he was talking to Pilate, and he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay? We are not of this world, y'all. I'm not saying don't vote or none of that. I'm saying stop taking on that identity. You are a child of God and a citizen of his kingdom. Refuse to be a part of that division, y'all. It's dangerous. It's a trick of the enemy. He wants you to be a part of that. He wants you to be always bucking and all up in that political division. He wants you to. But listen, we cannot be ignorant of his devices. He wants to bring this nation to ruin. Don't you be a part of it. Amen? And also, while we're talking about authority, remember to pray for our spiritual authority. Remember to pray for our pastor. Amen. He's our spiritual authority. Pray for his marriage and family. Pray that he never get weary and well-doing as our pastor. Amen. Pray that he be given wisdom to lead us. Pray for he and his family's protection. Pray for his strength to continue to do what's right and to keep his flesh under. You know, pray that God will continue to give him utterance to minister the word to us and to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit and whatever else the Lord puts on your heart to pray for our man of God. Amen. And so we have to pray for those that are in authority and for people everywhere. Praise God. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse, and we're going to look at verse 2 through 5, and we're going to close here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 through 5, and we're going to close right here. All right. So I'm going to kind of digress just for a minute. We're still talking about prayer. But I think this is also important to understand. It's in the same passage we've been looking at, so I don't want to be neglectful and not mention this. Let's read verse 2 through 5. Uh, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. And then verse 5 tells you what truth he's speaking of. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Okay, so I want to turn your attention to verse 5. You cannot take your place in prayer. We as born-again Christians, we can't just pray as if Jesus has not come and did everything he did. Everything we do and, way, and, and, and what we believe has to be from the position of the finished work of Jesus, including prayer, okay? So I want to turn your attention to verse 5. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, all right? So that word mediator in verse 5, the Greek word means one who intervenes between two, either in order to make, to make or restore peace and friendship or to form a compact or for ratifying a covenant. Let's just suffice it to say, just simply define that to say, it's one that makes peace between two individuals. And so notice that it said there is one mediator between God and man. 
and it ain't you. So you don't have to pray, God, withhold your wrath. <laughs> that is not your job. Jesus already did that. He finished that. Okay? In fact, you know, uh, people under the old covenant used to pray that way before Jesus came. We see Abraham doing it in Genesis chapter 18, verse 23 through 33. We see Moses doing it in Exodus. We see God looking for somebody to make to, to pray that um, in Ezekiel chapter 22. But Jesus has already made peace, though. He already made peace. Go to Luke chapter 2 real quick. Luke chapter 2. I'm just want to tell you real quick how not to pray <laughs> real quick. Um, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 18 through 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 18. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. And so this is a familiar Christmas passage, and that's when the angel of the Lord showed up to the shepherds, keeping watch over their uh, sheep. Look, it said, and lo, the angel of the Lord, in uh, verse 9, uh, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, look, peace and goodwill toward men. That was the angels bringing a prophetic declaration that this baby is the Savior of the world, and he is going to make peace between God and man. Before, they, before he came, there was enmity between God and men because of our sin. But because of Jesus and his finished work, he is, we, there is now peace between God and man. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, and we about to close. Look at Jesus already did that, and look at how he did it. Because I don't want you spiritual people talking about some. Oh, yeah, it is Jesus doing it, but he doing it through our prayers. No, he not. He already did that. It's finished. Look, it says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, Colossians 1.20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Amen. So Jesus made peace between God and man through the cross. Okay? And so this is the age of grace. God is not imputing man's sins unto them. Amen. He just want everybody to hear the gospel. In fact, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, the gospel is also referred to as the gospel of peace. The good news that there is now peace between you and God. But the unbelievers have to believe that and appropriate it unto themselves by faith. It ain't automatic. It's just this is the age we're living in, and God is simply wanting people to hear that good news. Amen. And, of course, if they reject it, it says in John chapter 3:36, the wrath of God abides over the unbelievers, those that reject the truth and don't believe it. Well, the day is coming when they will, his wrath will be poured out on, on them. But in the age of grace, this ain't the time yet. He need us as the body of Christ to do two things, take our place in prayer, amen, and pray for all mankind, those especially those in our sphere of influence, our co-workers, family, friends, and what have you, and also pray for our leaders, and just pray that laborers be sent out in people's lives so that people can hear the gospel and be saved and just and, and, and just be, you know, coming to the knowledge of the truth. And this is a time where we need to pray. But I just wanted to point that out because that's important. You don't need to be praying that way. Amen. And so we, knew, we could see tonight the responsibility of prayer. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit quickens your heart in some way through this message 
to see that it is critical and paramount that we as believers take our place in prayer and, 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 elect, and invite God into this world to use us in whatever way to release power that's already within us and to just operate in, in this realm of prayer so that we can live the supernatural life God called us to live and so that we can see miracles, signs, and wonders and, and all the power of God and so that our light can shine the way that he wants it to in, in, in the name of Jesus. And so let's take this serious, guys. Take our, our place in prayer and, and, and just act on the word of God. Amen? Praise God. Well, I pray that this was a blessing to you and I thank you. I'm just speaking by faith. Everybody that is watching is a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And so we just thank God right now that for the results of all of us taking our place at Faith Christian Center and praying the way that God has told us to in the word. Amen. Well, you all be blessed. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.